You're going to like I said, I'll, go, I'll go back to my previous question there, Kev. How are you going to keep this in check? <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, for taking your time to to come out and and do this. It's um it's definitely gonna it's definitely been an undertaking. So thank you very much for giving up your Sundays. Um, so we'll go by episodes. Um, and we'll just do a quick quick introduction just for those that are just tuning in. So Jim was episode one. Jim, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you, mate. It's fantastic to be here. How's uh, how's life treating you on the coast? Um. Quite hot today, but generally speaking, bloody fantastic, mate. I'm loving life. Excellent. Sounds bloody good. Uh, Chris, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Um, currently in the middle of a lightning storm, so if I disappear, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. How are you, dude? You're episode two? Yeah, going well. Going well. How's business? Uh, yeah, business is good. Um, coffee's kicking along well. Um, yeah, so no, everything's going well. Excellent. Very cool. Brendan, you were episode three. Yes, I was. It was very enjoyable. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. I've, I've been, it's been a busy weekend, but doing well. Excellent. Very, very cool. Uh, Matt DeWard, the, the only oh. two-parter. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, man? I'm fantastic, Kev. I'm uh, very happy to be here. I've excellent. been having um, an excellent weekend. So excellent. thanks for the invite. Very cool. Nick? Yes, the only female again. Chicky, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. The amount of unsolicited dick pics that I've received in my inbox being asked to be sent on to you is ridiculous. Oh, look, add them. Bring them. Send them my way. <laughs> like, let's, let's get a poster board started. It'll be great. <laughs> Uh, Luke, how are you, man? Ahoy, mate. Yeah, lucky episode seven. Yeah. <laughs> how are you, man? How's the family? I'm good, man. This has been a hot weekend. I'm looking forward to that cool breeze coming through tonight. Yeah. Yep. Fingers crossed. It's going to be a sub lease. It's, it is going to definitely going to be nice and cool. Simon, bringing up the rear. How are you, man? I'm good, thank you. I feel like I'm in uh, really good company with all these nice people. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you your twenty dollars later. Thanks, mate. Thanks. And, and Joel, lucky last. How are you, bud? Yeah, doing quite well. I mean, hot and sweaty, but that's just the weekend it is. Ah, uh, yes, yes, it is. How's uh, how's how's your weekend? Did you get many calls? No, no. Um, surprisingly, I wasn't on call this weekend, so it was it was quite good to have a quiet one and actually not have to think about work. Excellent. Very, very cool. So the way this is going to work is I've got a list of questions both for the group and for individuals. Um, just turn it into a conversation. So once uh, once I've asked the question, please feel free to, uh, to jump in, to ask any more questions, to... <laughs> ask each other questions, all that sort of stuff. Just a, just a very natural and as a, as a friend likes to say, organic conversation. All good. Sounds good. So the first question I've got for you, which is a, which is a super, super easy one, uh, just as a warm up round was what was the last movie you guys saw at the cinemas? <laughs> wow. Can that you was awesome. back in March? Sorry. What was that? 
Well, pre pre COVID, we're talking now, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, more than six uh, months ago. That's so Shit, now I can't even remember the last time I was at the cinemas, let alone what movie it was. I'm going to have to go back and dig up the ticket stub to actually remember. <laughs> I'm checking my emails to see what it was. I can't find anything. <laughs> I'm going to say Zombieland 2, actually. Really? Which was a long time ago now. What, like last year? Mid last year? I was trying to think of whether or not that was even released this year. Yeah, no, I don't think uh, it was. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> I, I, just, I just found mine and it was Joker, which was, jeez. Uh, uh, yeah, last year, October last year. Was that the Joaquin Phoenix one? Yes. Okay, cool. And, and I don't go to the cinemas that often, so that kind of says more about me than anything else. <laughs> I'm going to say it was the last Star Wars movie late last year. Oh, geez, are you still disappointed? I feel you're still disappointed. Oh, look, it, they had to end it somehow, and, you know, I thought they did okay, but, you know, it was never going to suit everybody. Yep, yep, definitely didn't suit me. <laughs> on that note i just want to point out especially for matt and kev how pissed off i am about covid delaying the release of top gun 2 by 18 months I'm i can't believe you that jim i cannot believe you brought that up i mean <laughs> it took me six months to get over that and you've just just brought it all right back up uh, every time i see an aircraft of any description i get <laughs> you know welcome to my life bro sorry oh i, I just have to you know keep watching the the trailers on youtube and just going it'll come out eventually i don't care how bad it's gonna be it's still gonna be good I also feel really shit for talking about like a corny ass movie like Top Gun with someone who works in the film industry and is obviously a film nerd. Sorry, Nick. I apologize. But, yeah. No, I am so looking forward to Top Gun. It's not funny. All those awesome volleyball stunts. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it for the boys. Why not? Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> pure, pure Hollywood corn movie. It's going to be unreal. Uh, I, I, I think it's, but it's, it's gotta be, you know, people have, they look at movies and everyone talks about them and thinks how wonderful they are and they get so in depth. And the reality is we love to be entertained. So if it's going to be, if it's going to be entertaining for 90 to 120 minutes and you could suspend all belief, then it's done its job and I'm happy to pay my money. There's going to be a lot of suspension of the um, belief for Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the fact that uh, Tom Cruise can um, still fly those planes. Can he even reach the pedals? <laughs> oh, he needs a phone book. <laughs> like in Temple of Doom, where Short Round has those little blocks attached to the pedals. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, oh, that's so good. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> What's the, uh, what's, what's the, and yeah, we're, we're going to jump all over the place here, but what's the funniest COVID conspiracy theory you guys have heard? Oh, actually, um, the, probably the 5G one is probably <laughs> yeah. the, the weirdest oh. one. And I've, uh, dealing with, um, Wi-Fi and all that stuff, I actually get asked about 5G. Really? Um, and is it, yeah, is it safe? You know, not necessarily COVID side of thing, that's, I I don't interact with those people. Um, <laughs> if someone ever asked me that, I just I would just unfriend them in person. Just <laughs> <with the light. laughs> um, but Perfect. yeah, 
yeah, there's so many questions about 5G and people just seem to link it to a, a lot of things that just aren't true. And that COVID one was just uh, hilarious. And then linking it with Bill Gates as well, who's going to microchip us all with the vaccination. Oh. Oh. So, <laughs> the massive snowball, I just, uh, it's it's entertaining if it wasn't so scary. My, my neck is still sore from that microchipping. Yeah. <laughs> so so my, my, my take on it is I, I'm... All these people who go on about these conspiracy theories, especially the the ones who say it was all done by the government, uh, and what's the government's end game here? Because the government, obviously, their job is to you know grow their GDP and increase jobs and everything. I don't understand how shutting down you know ninety percent of industry is, is supposed to uh, you know um, I don't know what the end game is. Is there some so who's profiting here? Is what I'm trying to ask. That's well, the thing I, I just don't I, get. I, I think it actually plays quite well with the um, the government because the, the government's usually incompetent. So maybe they did plan it and they just balls it up. <laughs> they screwed it up. <laughs> now, when do we get paid? Oh, I thought you were handling that. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was step one, COVID. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. <laughs> <laughs> question marks are still in place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta love Donald Trump saying about the disinfectant and injecting oh. it. I, I laughed so hard when I saw him. Oh, say yeah, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been good if he had tried it. <laughs> that guy's just so cringy. It's ridiculously cringy. And the the thing is with the with with the POTUS is that he's he's meant to be more of a figurehead and a spokesperson for you know the 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 government and. Who are these? Who are his advisors that are telling him that? Yeah, he should get up in front of millions of people and say this. I don't think he's listening to them. He's uh, just doing. Well, they're, just, they're just trolling him. Surely they're just having a laugh. <laughs> I just yeah, yeah, see that. See that. They go out and find the biggest conspiracy theorist and go. Actually, you got a point. I'm going to make. I'm going to give you a job. And then as soon as it turns really, really awkward for them, like we keep seeing, they go. Ah, oh, actually, that's a little bit crazy. Um. Uh, you don't work for us anymore. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's a here's a pretty good one. Um, when people can survive just fine in this day and age without being able to uh, fix a tire or fix a leaking tap or you know start a fire for for that matter, um, what? Hang on, what do you think is lost as a society? Common sense. Okay. Uh, it's a misnomer. That's not common at all. <laughs> but what, what defines common sense? Like, what, what's, like, that's an interesting question in itself, I think. Mm. I, I think the thing that's lost is resilience, which comes along with the common sense point. So as common sense deteriorates, I think the resilience goes with it. I, I'd, like to add, I'd like to add something a little bit. I'd, I'm going to say spatial awareness. It's one of my pet peeves is people who just don't know what's going on around them and they just lack spatial awareness. It's why people constantly merge into you without looking all the time. <laughs> Could be a little bit specific. <laughs> yeah, you flash back into some um, car issues on the road today or something. <laughs> yeah, every day. Yeah, okay, just, just indicate. That, yeah. that, that becomes the decent metaphor for, for a lot of things in life, though. Like, I feel, I feel as though a lot of people in society aren't, particularly receptive to what's going on around them. Mm. And because and then, the world as a whole, you know? Yeah. 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 And the, the worst thing is when you, when you call them out on it and, and suddenly you're the idiot, that's the worst part. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but when well, you call them out on it, it's someone to... else's fault. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. That's exactly right, Simon. Yeah. 
the old saying goes that you shouldn't argue with stupid because they'll just drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it rings so true. I was going to say, if, if you want to see what spatial awareness is like, just um, jump in a jump in a fire truck, turn the lights and sirens on, and it gets magnified. Oh, it gets magnified oh, by about a thousand percent. It, uh, it, and the, the second part of that question was, can, can someone excel in the modern era without computer skills? Uh, I'm going to say no, but that's just because I have to deal with the users that don't have computer <laughs> skills and they frustrate the fuck out of me. So, um, like, personally, if, uh, if a user doesn't know how to use a computer, I think they should, uh, you know, just get shot. But that's just extreme. <laughs> Are we recording this? I'm going to say yes, but they have to have exceptional people skills to get someone to do the computer skills for them. Oh, I like that. Yep, that's true. That's like any that's any C level. It's any C level employee in a mod, in a in an old business. Basically, is zero <laughs> computer skills, but somehow managed to get paid squillions of dollars to be an idiot. So or just, management, or just yeah. be ridiculously attractive. Oh yeah, you're like a manager. They've been <laughs> been provo- promoted to the level of their incompetence. <laughs> oh, that's me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but no, it's funny because my um my wife's an executive assistant, and and um you know you hear stories of other execs and everything. Just there's just some people out there who just are useless without somebody else doing everything technology related for them. That's, I, I, that's really sorry, man. Go on. No, go for it, Jim. No, that's right. I was just going to say, like, that's a really interesting one for a train driver to answer. I'm not going to keep bringing that up, but it's sort of my thing, I guess. But um. I like you, you always get in, in this job like, oh, you know, young people know nothing, they can't do the job, blah, 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 blah. But as soon as you get like a modern locomotive that has computers and buttons that you have to press instead of mechanical things to do, they always seem to go, oh, can you give me a hand with this? Can you give me a hand with that? So like it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a pretty uh, common thing. I think, you know, the newer generations will always be held responsible for teaching the older generations about all the computer-related stuff and whatever that might be in the next generation. So it's very interesting, though. I think it's an interesting question. I guess we're, um, like, I, I, I work in industry and um, the, the there are a lot of older people that have to have, have that have had to adapt and, and learn. And, and for those that do go out of their way to, to learn, that I, I think they'll just do fine. But those that refuse to change with the times for whatever reason, I, I, I genuinely, think, genuinely think they're going to be left behind. You know, you know the tragic thing, um, I work in tech um, as well, and um, there's a lot of businesses who refuse to adapt and change. And the worst thing of that is if your business goes down, there's a good chance you could take, you know, dozens, hundreds, even thousands of people down with you because your business refuses to keep up with the times. It's, it's quite dangerous. Yeah, that's right. I, I think Kodak is probably a, uh, probably the best example of Ooh, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you Ooh, look yeah, at Kodak yeah. and they, they refused to, to change with the times and, um, you know, they, they didn't think that uh, digital cameras were going to take off and they, they stood fast and look where they are now. Mm. They're, they're doing pharmaceuticals, aren't they? Something well, like I that. Even, I don't even know. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're still, doing, they're still doing some sort of chemical process at the moment because um, that's where their patents and things lie. Yep. Mm. I, I have this theory though right now because all these people have gone back to working at home and or working from home instead of their office buildings. 
that there's an entire level of middle management out there that are completely out of a job, wandering around their land room, wondering who they're going to look over their shoulder <laughs> and go, what are you doing? No, that, that's why I mean, Zoom, Zoom is doing so well. They can just watch people through Zoom now. <laughs> <laughs> that's very scary. <laughs> uh, um, Harry's. Harry's Hot Dog to Wheels. Is Harry's more famous for hot dogs or pies? Pies. Hot, hot dogs. Hot dogs. Uh, personal preference hot. is definitely hot dogs, but I think they are more famous for pies. I prefer their yeah, pies, pies, but the hot dogs are the famous one. I, I had one this week. It's got pie, right? Surely. <clears throat> Beef loader. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. pie floater? It's, uh, that's uh, the Harry DeBuehl signature disc dish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, I'm I'm change my the, uh, back to the, pie. I always get the hot dog to wheel, so I just assumed that was what it was famous for. But obviously Same, not. yeah. Um, all right, let me have a look I'm, through some I'm questions. I'm four hours north of, of there, and I want one now, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the next round table is going to be held at Harry DeWills. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like an amazing idea. I mean, the issue, though, is it's a podcast, so it'll just be us eating. It's not going to sound very good. <laughs> it'll, it'll turn from a podcast into ASMR real quick. <laughs> <laughs> all right so in this uh in this current current trend of the like the the, the cancel or the cancelling trend um should you be held accountable for opinions you had in the past whether or not that be on social media or something else should, should you be held accountable now for opinions you had in the past yes Yes, yes, but but you yes, should be able but. to address them fairly without absolutely. being absolutely blasted. I agree, yeah. Brendan. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, if you if you, you you should definitely be held accountable and as being pointed out that look, that wasn't appropriate. But if you've grown yeah. and you've moved on and you've acknowledged that it is appropriate, then you should definitely that, be given the um, you know the congratulations for that. If you're, however, you know just going to steadfast refuse and go, no, 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 that was me in the youth. Um, Double you know, down. Yeah, double down. I'm like, no, nah, you, you deserve everything that's coming for you. Exactly. Yeah, I tend to agree. And that, that's, one of, that's one of the greatest things you can achieve as yourself is if you can evolve and learn from your mistakes, then that's a great human trait. Um, so there's an opportunity there, I guess, in, in a lot of cases. That's right. Yeah, for sure. So, what, so what's it going to take for our society to grow to actually understand that point that we, our opinions do change over time and that it's okay to have that to have that change and to acknowledge that change and go, hey, you know what, I thought that in the 90s, but... I've learned a whole bunch of new things since then, and this is my opinion has now changed, and that's okay. I think the the issue at the moment, though, is um, so it, that's always kind of been the case, but it was you know just left to famous people or politicians. You know, you'd go diving through newspaper clips and go, "All right, Scott Morrison said this back in the '90s," and you'd hold it to account. Whereas now, with social media, it's literally everyone that can happen to. It's not just Famous people have their stuff in print. You can go on Twitter and you can look at literally every employee or employer and find out what their history was. And I think that's that's society hasn't caught up to that fact that it's literally everyone now has to experience. So you have to be careful um, what you say. Um, And do associated with the time period that you made that opinion, like if I said now that I was a huge fan of the show Kingswood Country. You'd all think I was a bunch. I was a racist because that was a completely inappropriate show for now. But back mm. when it came out, it was hugely popular and probably was a little bit inappropriate then. But it was more slapstick and it mm. was a bit more approachable. 
I think time periods has a lot to do with it. I think so as well. I, I, I think time periods and context, um, you know, like, like you said, there, there's certain shows that, um, God, what's a, what's a good example? Um, like Jimmy Kimmel doing, doing blackface for Chris Rock. Yeah. Well, Agro's Cartoon Connection is, is a perfect oh. example, I think. Like, you can jump on YouTube. You can have a look at, at what happened behind the scenes with Agro's Cartoon Connection. And you look at it now and you cringe. Like it is completely inappropriate. However, back then... It's only inappropriate if it's unwelcome. <laughs> yeah, correct. Absolutely. <laughs> but back then, I mean, that was... I'm not going to say it was okay, and, and but it was the norm. That's just how people interacted. Whereas these days, I, I'm sure people still interact like that, but it's it's now we know that it, it's, it's the wrong way to interact. I'm not sure they that... do interact like that because uh, kids were growing up watching it on TV going, well, that's normal. <laughs> it definitely didn't help. Some chicken and egg stuff there. Yeah. yeah. I think the sad thing is, is that there's, there's a, a portion of the population that still hasn't gotten better. Like take, for instance, mm. when Wonder Woman got cast, when Gail Gadot got cast as Wonder Woman, there was a huge bunch of the fandom that were complaining that her breasts were not big enough. Like Jeez. It, she's playing a role, not... Uh, yeah, that sort of stuff drives me. Drives me. Crazy. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the silos that you get of sort of certain demographics, I guess. And I think it's a lot of its family lines. You get a dad who's a bit of a dickhead, and then you know the son <laughs> becomes a dickhead because he he can't you know figure out how to not be like his dad. I don't know. Are we touching a nerve here? No, no, no. I just it's it's just very. But it's it's a very Australian. It's it's one of my questions here, but it's very Australian. Is the yeah his, his dad was a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that an excuse? I don't think so, but, you know, it happens. No, but it is a reason. It's, yeah, it's it more an explanation. Yeah, explanation, yeah. I mean, look, I, uh, I, I, um, I, I have a bit of a personal opinion about, about um, uh, Captain Marvel and Brie Larson, but... Uh, Fantastic was... film. Don't oh, you touch that oh, I just... Oh, you, you're making Kev, my other eyes with... You, you've you've twitched so many times about this particular topic. I think you actually need to enlighten us about what it actually uh, is. You know what? I'm, I'm going to no, leave it for a, for, for, a, for a later podcast because I could I could talk all night about it, and it's like even even listening to myself talk about it, I get bored. I feel like crazy. it was the running theme in every podcast. Everyone <laughs> make it a it was make a it a Patreon point. exclusive. And I made a point. I'm, I'm going to ask Kevin about that masterpiece. You know, <laughs> he's got to tell me that work of art. I'll I'll, I'll address it on my OnlyFans. Thanks. <laughs> oh god there we breathe, go Kev, breathe. <laughs> i was still getting over your last post there <laughs> excuse me um all right Jim. is there a discount for the only fans for podcast uh guests sorry what was that is there a discount for your only fans for podcast guests <laughs> you get you get 10% off your first order thanks I've got only, this only only Am I the only one in the nude? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I mean, I was, it was hot. Was, uh, yeah, no. We're, we're all nude just because of the heat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Nick, this is, a, this is a question directly for you. For me? For you, yes. Yeah. Okay. What I'm is a question? What, hang on. Uh, what is a question that you get asked a lot? Um. Jeez, uh, I guess uh, in relation to stunts, when I'm like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I do. I'm in the film industry." They're like, "Oh, have I seen you in anything?" 
I get that a lot, and then you feel well, really have I? bad. <laughs> I mean, if she's good at her job, no, because she's pretending no. to be someone else. She... <laughs> <laughs> Trick question. Yeah. 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 I mean, but yeah, I, I get that one a lot, and then it's really awkward because then I feel like I have to explain. Well, no, I've only been doing it for a couple of years, and I've only been background, and blah blah blah. And sometimes I'm just like, oh yeah, I was in this, and they're like, oh cool, great, and then that ends the conversation instead. <laughs> Just okay. make something up. Make something outrageous up. So well, you, you, you are Brie Larson's stunt double. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Nick. Great now, job. now Kev definitely has to watch it just to support you. <laughs> uh, so, so in regards to your, uh, your question you get repeatedly asked, does mm. your narrative change every time that you answer the question? No, I must admit it almost comes out like a bit of a script now um, just because it's it's one of those things that I just kind of want to move on to the next one because it's just such a stock standard question, mm. I guess. And to me, it's not really a conversation. Like I'd rather be talking about so many other things to do with either A, my industry or B, like what they're interested in or how we even got to that point. Um, so like, it's one of those things that I get all the time with date, like online dating and stuff like, well, have I seen you in anything? And it's like, (laughs) please, can we just talk about something else instead? Like, I'd rather talk about something else. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty stock standard answer, I guess. And then, yeah, we move on, hopefully. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Um, this is a question for all the emergency service, uh, personnel in, uh, in, in the round table. However, everyone is, is feel, uh, feel free to, uh, feel free to answer. Uh, you are now the minister of, for emergency services in Australia. What is your day one action and why? Oh, Christ. Ooh. Can we do an entire podcast about this? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> let's okay. So let's, let's, let's make it easier. You, you are now the minister of for emergency services in Australia for 12 hours. What is your what is your first and only action? Um, for me personally, being a, a fire, I would um, give breathing apparatus to every single um, volunteer firefighter in uh, Australia because there are quite a number of um, volunteers. All the all the um, paid fire services have BA, thankfully, and I feel quite you know privileged to be a member of a paid fire service. Um, but you know, there's something like between Victoria and New South Wales. Their volunteer fire services have about 130 odd thousand fires, and not all of them have access to proper respiratory protection. So for me, that would be the first one. Um, second one would probably be mandatory fitness testing. I reckon that would probably be the best thing because you really have to sort of perform doing that job. You can't rock up and be a fat slob and keel over and have a heart attack. It just doesn't really work like that in <laughs> 2020. Um, yeah, what does everyone else think? Sorry, can I just quickly ask, do you guys not have mandatory test, like fitness testing? Nope. nope. No. Wow. As, as a layman, that completely blows my mind. So yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's quite common across the um, professional slash paid services that there's a mandatory uh, fitness level that is required to enter the job. Mm. Um, there isn't one for the volunteer services. Wow. Which yeah. can come, come every summer can be a little bit scary sometimes. Yeah. There are um, also certain jobs in the volunteer force. Yeah, so correct. Yeah. Yes. So if they, if they require to go a long distance from help, et cetera, you know, carry big packs, uh, work away from a road or away from a truck, et cetera, there is a, there's a certain level of 
fitness that's required. Mm-hmm. Um, and l- even a lot of the um, paid services, once you get in, there's very little in the way of fitness testing that um, is ongoing. Yeah, wow. I support that to be put in place. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to a workforce that's highly unionised. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm. she can speak very, um, very intimately about that MDW. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. So, so can I actually come? No, actually, it, it's it's actually a very it's a very key topic amongst emergency services personnel, and it's uh, I I can see a day coming in the very near future where you will look at those services and there will be an ongoing fitness level slash medical requirement because it's one of the biggest concerns for emergency services personnel in their long long careers. Can I, can I ask a question just to follow on from that? Um, the, the paid, the paid firefighters and the volunteer, do they ever work in conjunction and do do these kind of problems affect your role as a paid firefighter? Ooh, good question. That's an interesting one. The the first, first part of the question is the answer is yes. They work together quite regularly. Yes. Yes. The second part, um, a little bit more difficult to answer. I, I mean, I guess the scenario would be, you know, you, you, you both turn up to a, a scene. Uh, forgive me if I'm using the wrong words here, but you turn up to a scene. Uh, there's, there's, there's both both coming, both, you know, paid and, and volunteers coming together. Does their lack of experience or fitness in this case potentially affect the way you do your job? Mm, I would say to that, no. Um, and I'll, I'll only say that because... Um, there, there can be inexperience and lack of fitness on both sides of the coin. So in, in um, sure. volunteer services, you can have people who are grossly inexperienced and you can have some absolutely top-class operators who would, um, who would shit all over a lot of other people. Mm. And the same works for paid, paid fireys or uh, uh, I suppose it, it's quite specific to fireys. The other emergency services are, are all paid by police and um, ambulance, but mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, like, it, it's a it's a two sided coin thing. I think mm-hmm. um, you know you can have some really good operators from both sides of the coin, and, and usually yeah. they are the ones that um, you know go forward with it. I guess um, yeah. I, I, I think. What do you reckon, Matt and Kev, being the other two paid dudes here? I I completely agree with you. I um, I do agree with you, Jim. There is a there's an element that the large bulk of the time it's not it's a non issue um, because the the sort of jobs where people are working together. It's actually, it's not something that ever comes into the equation in the short term, long, long term. It will. Um, if you start looking at, you know, the fire season that Australia suffered through last year, um, or earlier this year, um, fatigue actually became a, a more of an issue rather than fitness. Um, the difference is that if you look at um, the roles that the paid services versus the volunteer typically, I'm not going to say all the time, but typically undertake, a lot of the paid services are urban-based um, rather than rather than regional-based um, and focused more on things like uh, MVAs, urban house fires, et cetera. Um, and the requirement in that environment to be um, particularly cardiovascular fit to deal with um, intense heat over a short period of time, um, it takes a massive toll on an individual. Um, mm. so, and the example is the example is internal, like where this is all based is internal attack on a house fire or a commercial structure fire. Um, that has a very, very heavy cardiovascular fitness load in a very short, intense period of time. And the large bulk of volunteers don't encounter that. 
um, there are a few brigades that where that that is something that they potentially encounter, and you'll find that they do have a fitness requirement for that particular thing. Um, we don't typically across Australia, as far as I'm aware, we don't fitness test for uh, campaign bushfire because it's not something that it's it's easy to do. Um, so the, the yeah the services are based on on my experience they're based on 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 that sort of cardiovascular fitness for that short intense um, BA wearing you know essentially wearing a, a plastic bag with a whole bunch of layers on top of you so you don't cook yourself um, mm. type of scenario which is not not something the Australian volunteer uh, bush firefighter encounters. Uh, but in a structural sense, um, it doesn't happen that often either for the urban services. And this is where the issue comes in is that they might only encounter that a handful of times uh, throughout a career in that sort of first arriving appliance sort of scenario. But um, that's what they test for because that's the highest risk that they have. I've got one moving on from that. Uh, Simon, as you know, being a, a, a police member, have you at on scene um, noticed any... Oh, how do I put it, shit fight between paid and volunteer people? Or have you sort of seen a more cohesive thing? What's what's your take on that? Because, you know, we can sit here and talk shit as much as we want, but we're looking at it fairly one-eyed. Well, I've got a couple of things to say. I, I was also a retained firefighter for 15 years. Of course, yeah. So um, I'd, probably, I'd probably see more... I'm not too sure what the word, the best word would be is um, angst, I suppose, between retained versus uh, your permos. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, and then, well, I don't want to start a shit show, but rescue agencies. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just, we'll just skim right over that one. We'll just get, yeah, we'll just get yeah. all the emergency services wankers together and discuss that on a whole different oh. podcast. We'll all freaking no, I'd, day, rather the, I'd rather go to the dentist. <laughs> um, like you, you guys have said a lot about it, and I agree with you all. But and I've been racking my mind. I cannot think of a single incident that has risen its mind in coroner's court or the media about fitness of a first responder. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, Interesting. I, I, the only anecdotal sort of evidence there is that um, I, I, I can't think of the figures straight off the top of my head, but the number of deaths of, uh, of uh, volunteer firefighters over the, over the last couple of years, I was looking at it a while ago, um, the vast majority up until that didn't include the last season of uh, deaths of volunteer firefighters were, were through heart attack. Um, whether that was oh, on I, I did one the other day. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah. The, it's, um, it's a combination of that. It's actually something that um, is being heavily investigated. I know it's being heavily investigated in, in the fire services as to the, the ongoing effect of heat stress, um, regardless of whether you're wearing you know, structural turnout gear or bush firefighting gear and that, that constant load on your cardiovascular system. I know it's something that they're very, very interested in, but I think the other, the other side of it that nobody talks about, but it happens, it happens quite regularly is um, a lot of people just, a lot of emergency services uh, personnel get taken out by things like falling trees. 
it's it's actually quite yeah. common. You know, like if you look at last summer, the the bulk of the people that we uh, commemorated and um, shared the loss of were the result of falling trees. Yeah, mm. and and that's something that's got nothing to do with the fitness or the knowledge of the personnel themselves. It's just simply to do with the environment that you're operating in. Mm. Yeah, another another really interesting one just to um, elaborate on a little bit. I know, I know bugger all about it, but I know it's something that's being pretty seriously looked at by um, the FDNY, the Fire Department of New York City, is the effect that um, waking up from a deep sleep, say at um, you know, the hours of between midnight and 4am when you're really in that deepest part of the sleep sleep cycle um, to being woken up by the bells, as we call it, and then having to go from literally your lowest heart rate of the entire day through to, like Matt said before, you know, like 180 beats per minute at a house fire. That's also starting to come through um, with with a fair bit of evidence that that's quite stressful and really causing a lot of heart attacks and, and cardiovascular events with fire is are generally pretty healthy as well. It's just the fact that you're shocking the body into the, such a, a violent action from such a deep sleep. Um, and what do you do about that? What, what, what could you possibly do to alleviate that? If, if you're fit and healthy, otherwise you get a different, you get a different job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm running my, I'm running my own study, Jim. I've started wearing a heart rate monitor for that on my watch on, yeah. on shift for that very reason. I'm very curious as to the response. And it's, it's um, very interesting. It's very telling. Like uh, I'll, I'm going to run a long, I'll, I'll run a lifetime study and I'll let you know the results at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, don't, bother, don't bother if you're a South Tuggernaut, maybe edit that South Tuggernaut. <laughs> Can I just ask as someone who knows nothing about fireys, why why couldn't you just do 12-hour shifts and any emergency that happens in that 12 hours you go to like what why do you need to be a, be sleeping on your shift oh, it's, it's it's been well it's been well looked at they they i actually i can give you my own my own experience i used to work in one job where we used to work night shift and we would we were required to be awake versus my current job where between a certain amount of hours um, there's no requirement for to be, for us to be awake whilst we're at work. Um, and what they found is that one of the biggest factors in people's decision-making in especially high-risk environments is their fatigue level. And when you're fatigued, you actually make, uh, you genuinely make uh, poor decisions. So the basis is around, so as Jim mentioned, so at 2 o'clock in the morning when your circadian rhythm's at its lowest, there's really, um, if there's no requirement for you to be awake and functioning, they'd, you're actually going to be better off being asleep so that when you are woken up and required to be high-functioning in a high-stress, high-risk environment, you actually function better. Okay. Yep, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought and, about and that. From a, volu- uh, from a volunteer's point of view, um, we, we still get the calls at, at 2 and 3 in the morning. Um, we're not getting paid for it. So that's why we're waking up at that time. Yep. So yeah, we, yeah, we, we had one the other night at MVA at uh, three, three AM. So, um, mm. yeah, mm. just got to, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, mm. exactly. And you don't, it, it doesn't matter if you're, it, yeah, coming from both, both paid and volunteer ranks, it doesn't matter if you're being paid or not. If it's two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, there is a diminished capacity for you to make good decisions. There just, there just is. 
your, bro- your body's going capacity to make good decisions that is the most accurate thing i've ever heard man you are you are tired <laughs> whether you've been awake asleep uh it's your body your body naturally is not um not attuned to making fantastic decisions at that time of the morning so you just do the best you can cool that, oh, yeah. thanks for answering that i, I didn't know so I, I i tell a story after the fires came through our place last year um i was uh i'd hadn't slept much for, for about three and a half, four days, um, just around here, just sort of, yeah, with, with a bit of worry of, of things reigniting. And then I went out on a night shift with the, with the, um, with the fireys and, uh, and then I came back in the morning and I was trying to reverse the trailer down to the dam, um, to fill it back up with water so that we could a water trees and, and b put out any fires that started, uh, reignited. And for the life of me, I couldn't reverse the trailer. It's one thing that I, I think I can do in this world is reverse a trailer, and I just had to give up. I had to walk away. I just I couldn't do it. It was, <laughs> it was like I was drunk. Nothing was working. And I just had to say to Alex, my wife, I said, oh, look, that's as close as it's going to get. I've got to go sleep. And yeah, so I think for they, me, it doesn't matter how much, how much sleep I've had. I, just, I still can't reverse a trailer. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it once in my life, and I'm never doing it again. I'm one for one. So well, yeah, talking about those life skills, you know, that's one thing I think I can do. You know, I can change the fire, I can reverse the trailer. That's that's about it. Put that on your CV. So yeah. this next question comes from a a listener in Pennsylvania in the US, um, and, wow. and I'm just I'm trying to decipher a little bit better so just bear with me <clears throat> so the, the question is um, Americans are very very patriotic about their country um, and she's made the observation that Australians don't necessarily seem to hold the same level of patriotism um, what do, what does it mean to be Australian and oh crap and what what does it mean to be Australian and what specifically do you love about your country wow Freedom. <laughs> I, I freedom love the fact freedom, that we don't yeah. love it as much. Is that is that weird? No, man. I, love I, I, that, I absolutely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. 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 I, I used to live in the US for work for about six months of the year for about a decade. And one of the things I noticed as an Australian was I thought, wow, these, these Americans, they're patriotic to a fault. And that was something I could never understand. But we, you know, we have a tendency to be very, uh, from my opinion, we, we, we're very laid back until we're required not to be. I think um, I was listening to uh, your podcast, Simon, and you mentioned something very similar. You said we, we're laid back and happy with everything until we're pissed off. And, and then, or and until we, someone needs help, I feel. That's right. Yeah. And we get in, we get the job done, but then we revert back to how we were. Mm-hmm. Whereas the uh, the American state, they get really um, from the outside looking in. I, I reckon there's a whole bunch of Americans out there that are not uh, are just like us, and they don't get all that worked up. But we just tend to see a lot of the ones that do. That's the mm. Hawaiians. <laughs> the Hawaiians, exactly. The Hawaiians, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're Kiwis, anyway. There, there's, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of, um, I've met a lot of Americans that are very much, they're just like us. They're, they're very happy to let it, you know, tick along and everything's all happy and hunky-dory. And, and it's only if you threaten them 
with or threaten their patriotism that they they bring that up. Otherwise, it, it's never an issue. It, it's so funny. It's so uniquely American too. Like I've spent a lot of time living in the UK as well, and there's this sort of self-deprecation that you get from Brits and Aussies. Um, probably the Brits more than the Aussies that you just don't get in America. There's they they would never take the piss out of themselves as much as anyone else does. Oh yeah, I, I believe yeah, exactly right. We have we have sarcasm as a second language, whereas if you use sarcasm in the US, it's like they look oh, at you going straight over their head. Yeah, yeah. 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 It goes down like a ton of bricks, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time explaining myself over there. <laughs> no, oh, no, yeah. I, I'm not being serious. I'm I'm just joking, and then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, taking the yeah, piss and like an idiot. Go, oh, are you taking the piss really? Like. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, look, up your ass, they, they, they made patriotism a sport over there. It's to the point where we look at, you know, all the stuff that we typically take for granted. You know, we, we, as much, I used to explain it like this, we Australians, we pay a lot of tax, but we get, you know, you can put your kid in school for free. You can, you're driving on the roads. If we get sick, you can go to the hospital. We're, we're essentially socialist with a bit of a, you know, a capitalist, you know, outer ring. Whereas in the US, if you they've sort of created this thing where like socialism is a is a dirty word. They've equated socialism to communism. Mm. Yeah. And culturally they've made it a a, a bad word. Whereas we kind of yeah. fundamentally accept it and go, actually no, no, it's okay. <laughs> We're all right with it, but as long as it doesn't Likely. sort of in, yeah. uh, inflict on our day to day yeah. lives too much. I think part of I think you've nailed it because it's a it's a country of extremes, right? It's either socialist or it's not. There's no in between for a lot of Americans. It's either you're red or you're blue, you're left or you're right. It's it's there's very very little middle ground with a lot oh, of things, yeah, especially with politics. Yeah, I had the same discussion with somebody else the other day. Is that most Aussies seem to be obviously you've got your far left and your far right, but most Aussies are fairly centrist. I think I think it's safe to say. Um, yep. to, again, to a fault perhaps where they're not as engaged in politics is what I yep. think I would like to see Australians, but that therefore creates the society, I guess, that we live in where we're not, you know, marching on each other's parades like the shit fight that has been in the last two, three, four weeks. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic. I know. I think I like being Australian. I, I don't think I would try and emulate much of what the United States has got going over the past four years. I well, you, that would, you know. I think Jim, like you can see it in the, um, you know, like when you watch the conversations that go on, like national TV, regardless of the channel, when they start talking about American politics from an Australian point of view, we fundamentally don't get it. Because we don't no, we live don't, it. No, that's right. We don't live yeah, it. Right. It's not our day to day. We're looking at it. We actually look at it from a point of view of like, well, this is entertaining, and um, I wonder where this is going to go next. Like, surely yeah. this can't get any worse because we don't expect it to, but inevitably in, it does. In, in what fucking world would an Australian prime minister right, that has lost the election be okay with declaring that we have defrauded the electoral system? In what world is that being accepted? It's accepted in the states, like the, the king of democracy. Like, what? Oh, I can't get my head around it, man. Well, they don't claim themselves. I mean, I know it is a democracy, but um, if you really, if you really push down to the uh, uh, like the fundamentals of how their uh, political system works, it's actually fundamentally different to what we have. It is. I'm pretty yeah. sure you and I got really pissed on whiskey and talked about this one night, Matt. <laughs> I think 
think we did. we did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. But I, I actually don't, uh, you know, like I was I was very curious, but um, I had a lot of conversations with people I lived and worked with over in the US and this was something that we, I, our, our ideals are very, very similar, but we are fundamentally different. Mm. Um, yeah. when you start having those really, really key conversations, you go, people look at it and go, hang on. Like, they are a, I think by that, I want to, I don't say, um, I want to get it wrong, but it might be, I think they say they're a constitutional Republic. Mm. If you look at, if you look at their type, their style of government, um, and we're, uh, we're a little bit different. Um, cause we're based off a, as you know, like we're based off that British system. Constitutional um, constitutional monarchy, mate. We're yeah. constitutional monarchy, where is if it when it all goes if it all goes to absolute custard, it comes back to a figurehead. Yeah. Whereas it's in the US it doesn't. So what you're saying is we shouldn't be blaming Scott Morrison, we should be blaming the Queen. <laughs> I knew so. Oh go for it. Yes. <laughs> yep. All right, cool. God God blame the Queen. Yep. That, God blame the Queen. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Blame Liz. <laughs> Poor old Lizzie. You know, she's like Canada. It's Lizzie's fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, there seems to be a, uh, a a theme or a running theme throughout all the podcasts where um, the 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 topic of um, time in school and and bullying and and perhaps being a victim has come up. So for um, for all the guests that, that I've had, was anyone a bully in high school and why? No, I was definitely not. I was a train nerd, mate. I copped it from like day dot to right now. So no, I was definitely not a not a bully whatsoever. It's very interesting, Kev. I was literally talking about this today with some friends. Um, I think I had the potential to be bullied. I wouldn't say I was a bully, um, but um, I joined a I joined a K to twelve school when I in year seven, where there was a lot of cliques that had already been formed from all the kids who'd been there since kindergarten to year six. And then I came in with a handful of others into this year seven group. Um, and I was very lucky to be taken under the wing of a, probably one of the coolest kids in the school. And I was very lucky. You, you know, you see my, probably seen some of my older pictures, Kev. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd now. I was a super nerd back then. I had those big, like weird old pedophile glasses and, you know, all that stuff. I was right for it. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I would say I was a bully, but there was definitely a chance of it happening. And I think, um, Oh, look, there was a little bit, I guess. I, I I felt that I still felt a little bit vulnerable in high school early on, and you, you, I guess there's a tendency to want to, um, you know, take it on some other kids, maybe the chess kids or something like that. But um, <laughs> I learned pretty soon that that was not cool, so I'm, I'm glad I didn't go down that track. I'm, I'm going to – I'll chime in. I say I was the – much like I was the skinny, tall, nerdy kid that did well at school and kept my mouth shut. So I was, um, I was pretty lucky. I don't think I was the the – uh, the bullied one or the bully. I, I, I felt like I floated through high school and got out, got away with it semi scot free. Excellent. Yeah. I feel very lucky yeah. for that. Yeah, same. No, no, no. I was like, I mean, being a female in high school can either be absolutely amazing or it can be hell. And I was always kind of picked on until, you know, I made it through the, the younger years. So I was definitely not a bully. I was too uncool and way too nerdy to be a bully. Yeah. No, did, uh, did, did you getting treated differently have, it, have anything to do with or, or coincide with you reaching puberty by any chance? 
beg your pardon. (laughs) (laughs) Or or more so, maybe the uh, more more so, maybe the the males around you reaching puberty. Um, Look, no, I mean, I think I was always a tomboy, so I always just tended to hang out with the boys more, and I and I think that's probably part of it. Now that I'm like rehashing my high school years, that I because I was always just one of the boys. Yeah. Um, but you know, girls in high school don't get that, I think. So then I was a problem or I was a bit of a hussy, you know, or something when really I wasn't, I just wanted to muck around with the dudes. Um, yeah. So I, I I was tragically misunderstood is what I'm going to go with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's go with that. (laughs) If it makes you feel any better, Nick, I feel like that I had that same thing all the way through high school. And once I became, I got into my twenties and started to work, the the bit that became it's like the the adult version of bullying became the like the highly respected don't want to disappoint that person kind of um, figure if that makes sense mm. you know you become the bully in the workplace just by by doing a good job and expecting that from everybody else and they all look at you like oh that per-, you know like is he is that person bullying me or they just want a good job. <laughs> Yeah. It's that whole version. Yeah, there is. I mean, now I just set myself on fire, so. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. So you're so, bully, yeah. That's gold. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that's that's where my path took me, I guess. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, you, so you literally went in the, like, the literal path. I'm just, no, I'm just. I'm going to make myself so hot and I'm going to, I'm going to burn at work. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Um, so good. Simon, I've got a question for you, man. Sure. Has someone ever put you in a position where you were scared for your life? And when you were put in that position, were you still trying to police? Um, scared for my life. Scared for my life. Yes. I, I've been in situations where I thought, um, if this lunatic goes off, I'm in a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember specifically I was interviewing um, lunatic number one who was so mad the bikies wouldn't even have him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was iced up to the max and I'm doing a, an electronic interview with him in a room with me and another chick. And this bloke, this bloke is so mad for shits and giggles he he would turn someone into a human pinata. Yeah, right. And um, <clears throat> yeah, he was very violent and very drug affected at this time. And and but that that occasion, I thought, if he goes off, I think um, a bit of poo's going to come out. <laughs> but um, no, never. I've like I, I've I've done vehicle stops with guns and armed offenders and knives and. You know, lots of things, but I've never actually thought I'm going to um, end up in a world of hurt. Okay, very good. I mean, that's that's great. It is. Like I'm look, I'm look, I'm lucky. Um, I've worked with people who've been involved in um, who've been involved in shootings um, and have been shot themselves, um, and I, I've never been in that circumstance. So, fingers crossed. Touch wood. Fingers crossed for you, man. <clears throat> uh, Matt. 
Go ahead. <laughs> um, you've had a a life and a career that spanned uh, a couple of different organisations, uh, with 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 a with a running theme through through a lot of them. Um, you have now what's considered by many to be a dream job. Um, what level of success seemed or seems realistic? Uh, what level of success seems realistic to you? As in, what would be your minimum accomplishment to make you feel like you've made it? Ooh, that's a good question. Maslow. That's a Maslow yeah, question. it is a Maslow question. That is deep as, man. <laughs> actually, yeah, I was, I was actually having a conversation uh, just this afternoon about uh, where my head was at in the past week, or the past seven days. And I actually had a, a couple of, uh, you know, lay your head down on the pillow moments, go to sleep, and felt very, very content in thinking that um, what was it that's changed over the past few years, decades, et cetera, that has made me feel this way? And I thought, um, I feel I'm under no threat. I feel like tomorrow I'm not going to have any conversations where, that involve um, my job potentially disappearing or my the security of, um, you know, all the fundamentals that we look for, like uh, security in our, um, our livelihood, the roof overhead, food in our mouths, um, you know, warm at night sort of stuff. Um, you know, a happy relationship um, with somebody I love, um, enjoying the time with family and friends and a general contentment in life. And it's actually... I've had it before, but I had a like a resounding feeling of it actually, funnily enough, in the past seven days um, in my current job. And um, it's come about in the, over that past uh, sort of 10, 11, 12 months, it's sort of built to that. Um, I think it has a lot to do with my current employment. I'm very, very thankful for it, especially in the current times, you know, you know, a tumultuous environment that we live in. But um, I think uh, that was, that was what I was looking for. I think you can find it anywhere. It's just that um, I just happened to find it where, where I did. Um, you know, I lived and worked through a whole range of different environments and, meeting different people across different organizations and continents and, and job roles. And the, the fundamental thing I found in what I'm currently doing is that there's a general consensus across it that almost every day I go to work and people say I've won the lottery and I, I tend to agree with them. Um, I just feel very, very lucky in that, um, in that job, in that role. Um, I think it's attainable to anybody that wants it. It's just, it's a, as you know, a couple of you, um, you know, like Jim, Kev, you, you know, we've had conversations about this, and it's a um, there's certain there's a certain element of politics involved, there's a certain element of luck, and there's a certain element of hard work. And I think it's only when you know the planets align a little bit and you get all three that it tends to come come to fruition. And I was just one of the very lucky ones that where they all came to fruition. Very good. Joel, I've got a very similar question for you, man. <clears throat> so the question is, uh, in your podcast, you alluded to the fact that you now have, air quote, a real job. <laughs> yeah. Has, has your many years of working as a casual through many different jobs um, changed your perspective on your current employment? 
Um, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, as I mentioned in the podcast, I, was, I did um, shift work and as a casual for 10 years. Basically, um, I finished studying and just did a gap year for 10 years, um, which is great because as far as I was concerned, the whole point of my job at the time was to pay for me to go traveling, to have fun. And the job was awesome too. So I was able to have fun during the job, but that wasn't the principal reason of me going into work. Whereas now that I've, you know, air quotes again, got a proper job, um, (laughs) part of that, uh, you know, part of going into work is also, you know, there seems to be this idea that, you know, you have to develop your career, you know, um, that horrible question you have to ask, get answer ever, every year, um, during your performance evaluation is like, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, which is irritating because you can't tell them the truth, which is Hawaii, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, theoretically not fired. That would be great. You know, if you, I'd like to really low bar those, um, those, those answers, but they are expecting you to have some kind of progression. They're like, all right, no, do you want to go training? Do you want to become a project manager? Do you see yourself staying technical and all that? And honestly, it's, I, 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 I didn't think that far ahead in my casual job because I didn't have to, mm-hmm. you know, it was just month by month. All right. When's my next trip? All right. What am I going to be doing on the weekend? Um, you know, with the money that I've earned and all that. Whereas now, um, there's that push to, you know, it's like, all right, should I be extending my studies so that I can, you know, become a network engineer or, you know, do I want to become middle management and all that? And so I'd still rather not think about that. Um, hence why I don't think I'm a professional, uh, because yeah, I, I'd rather keep that casual mindset of, no, nope, I'm just going to go in, do, um, my job as best as I can, enjoy it, have as much fun while I'm doing it. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not planning five years for that job. I'm planning five years for, or not even that, planning 12 months what I'm, where I'm going to travel or what I'm going to do on the weekend. Yep. Very good. The opinions or views expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the host or guest and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that the host or guest may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.